Welcome everybody to this edition of Bayjack and Brown Hoops Up and Down podcast. We thank you for joining us on our this action-packed episode. Of course, by the host with the most, Mr. Bob Bayjack. Bob, how are you doing this afternoon? I'm doing good, BS. What up, BNB Nation? I'm ready to talk about some good old basketball <laughs> today. <laughs> Wow, that was a and happy new year to all our our, our <laughs> listeners at Bayjack and Brown on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Uh, we have an action-packed episode at, laid ahead for our folks here today. Uh, a lot to talk about, a lot to cover. A lot of hoops have happened since uh, New Year's Eve that we last spoke to you on. Uh, some things going on in the association, of course. With of course, we have some games canceled tonight because of the protocol and COVID situations. Me and Bob will. Get into that in a moment. We'll talk about uh, some of the early surprises uh, so far in the new year. Uh, of course, the situation with the anticipated Brooklyn Nets with Kyrie Irving. But first, folks, we'll kick it off on a positive note, Bob. Uh, we'll talk about the, the Bajak and Brown favorite and your favorite, Stephen Curry, the chef. Bob, recently he dropped a, a 65 points against his, one of his rivals and one of the top point guards in the NBA, Dame Lillard. Bob, can you tell us what that meant so far, what kind of statement that was, especially after a lot of, you know, the talking heads on TV, uh, fans on social media, were really kind of getting after Steph and the Warriors for their slow start. But 65 points, Bob, I mean, that, that is incredible. The, the interesting thing about uh, Steph is that everybody, I think, wants to get him. He had a quick ascension, and I think a lot of people, he makes the game look very effortless, just how he can dictate pace, he has great handles, he can drive, shoot threes, mid-range, uh, attack the whole free throws, and, you know, he's a good every system defender, and he could lead the break well. And a lot of people think that, you know, maybe he's not trying so hard or maybe he doesn't care, but he's just so talented and he dedicates himself to the game. With him being that small, they're wondering, like, oh, you know, everybody's being soft on him. But, I mean, if you watch the games, and I know Jandell Moore and other Warrior fans would talk about this, he gets hacked all the time. He gets hacked. He doesn't get calls. And I just think there's a lot of people who thought he would, he was just um, maybe too fortunate to be on a great Warrior team and winning those two MVPs. and he was maybe maybe some of them were LeBron or KD fans or some of these other stars. They're like, well, he's taking shine away from my favorite player. Um, I think he proved a lot of doubters wrong, uh, scoring more than 60 points. I, I was looking at a list, Theus, and there have only been 29 players who have scored 69 points. If you put him and Bradley Beal, we're going to talk about him in a moment. 29 players who scored 69 points, and at least with future projected ones, 26 of them would be in the Basketball Hall of Fame. It shows you that there's a high level scoring that many points in the game, uh, especially with him getting at least a modern Warriors record. Um, Will Chamberlain and uh, Rick Barry were on those older uh, Warrior teams, but, I mean, at least if you look in the last 50 years, 60 years, you know, he, he scored the most points in the game. And I think, Bob, too, a lot of fans were in the media was able to lead grasp onto that game because there was that was the second time they had played Portland in about a span uh, before their initial game. Uh, Damian Lillard, who I thought just made some constructive criticism, uh, stating that, you know, talking about some of the, the Warriors' struggles, that it was an adjustment for Steph and the rest of the team, really, uh, without Clay Thompson, which was all true statements. 
uh, the media and some fans kind of turned it into bulletin board material or trash talk, which I didn't think it was, but I thought it was just unique that even after the game, it was kind of a game respect game thing where Dame still came over and congratulated Steph and just even in his post-game presser just said, hey, look, I mean, he's one of the best players in the league and definitely you've got to tip your cap to somebody that uh, has a great performance like that. Uh, and as you previously mentioned, Bob, as well, a few days later, Bradley Beal, uh, the NBA's leading scorer right now in the NBA, then went out against the 76ers and dropped 60. Now, I, Bob, I thought he was going to probably in he was trending on upwards to get about 70 points that game at 57 points through three quarters. And a lot of people just, you know, they're watching his performances night after night as him getting 30 points, 35 points, 40, 60. And they're still losing a lot each and every night, uh, even being shorthanded now without Russell Westbrook. What, what do you think you can tell the audience about what you thought about Beal's performance against the Sixers in a loss? Well, the, the interesting thing about Beal, he is somebody who's always worked on his game. Um, he was a one-and-done player, and I, I believe from Florida, and I always was high on him. I remember years ago I wrote on Bleacher Report, I thought he would be the best person in that um, draft class, at least potentially. And I think maybe outside of um, Anthony Davis, he, he's probably the second best. Um, he's really come into his own. Um, I think this is his third year where he's been just keep on getting better and better. Um, part of that was um, out of necessity because John Wall was injured, so he had to become a featured um, a, a focal point in that offense. And um, I know we had uh, Reggie Brown on. Um, he's, that's his agent. Um, obviously, you know, Reggie's going to have nice things to say about him, but all of that stuff that Reggie said is the truth because um, – he is somebody who could score 30 points, but also be a good passer getting about six assists. And I mean, uh, he has to take a big scoring load. I mean, that's why he's about 35 points. Now, if the wizards are going to win, they're trying to still acclimate um, Westbrook into the, the offense. Um, and, you know, it's, it hasn't been successful so far. They're, they're three and eight, but um, you know, I do think it's encouraging. He's taking a big role. They still have um, Davis Bertans and, um, Roy Huchamara and some other good players on that team, I do think they could maybe course correct, but um, 60 points, again, that's another testament of him being um, a great player. Um, and he, he's another potential Hall of Famer. I didn't put him on yet because obviously, you know, he needs more high-end seasons, but, you know, he's on track as well. And maybe that could be 27 out of 29 people. The only ones on the list who didn't make it are Gilbert Arenas uh, because, you know, he couldn't play nice and, you know, get away from his problems. And then um, Tom Chambers, who is a great scorer, but, you know, he's not he's not at that Hall of Fame level. Oh, Bob, I'm a, that's for another story. I'm, I'm going to vouch for Tom. I, I encourage anybody, maybe from some of our older listeners, maybe Dennis Brockman. Now, I think Chambers is a Hall of Famer, Bob. That's for another conversation. Uh, but if you look at Bradley Bill's um, stats, and I mean, certainly since he came out of Florida in 2012, He's been projecting upwards, especially since around that fourth year in 2016, averaging 23 points, 22 points, uh, 25 points in 18, 30 points a game last year, even before the bubble. And then what's encouraging, Bob, too, is that he's playing almost every game. He's played 82 games uh, twice in his career and, and usually over 70. So he's a guy that's, you know, the, the best the best availability is to be available. So with him being there for his teammates, uh, definitely, hopefully, they'll be able to turn it around. They just had a huge loss to uh, Bob. I'm not sure if some of the listeners saw that. Is that Thomas Bryant, 
uh, one of the young promising big men towards ACL. And he's going to be out for the year, unfortunately. So that's going to definitely hamper the Wizards going forward. Uh, but definitely we'll see that uh, with the Ru Humushimura coming back off injury, hopefully he'll be able to step in that role. Uh, Davis Bertans and then the young man from Israel, uh, Devi, hopefully he can – he's had some moments, had a 20-point game in the night, kind of seems up and down, which is normal for a rookie. Uh, but hopefully he'll be able to put that together. We want to give a shout out to one of our listeners, also Bob, a, a huge Wizards fan on Twitter, uh, BC Sport. Uh, give her a shout out. She's always a huge supporter of the Oklahoma City Thunder and the Washington Wizards as well. So, uh, Bob, something that we have currently going on today, we want to thank our listeners again uh, here live on Anchor.fm for listening to Benjamin and Brown Hoops Up and Down podcast, the 35th episode. We've got some cancellations, unfortunately, Bob, today. Uh, we can maybe start with your beloved Chicago Bulls and you can fill in the, the audience about some of the other cancellations. Yeah, um, right now it's Bulls and the uh, Boston Celtics. They're not um, playing today because of COVID. And, I mean, we, we probably knew because, you know, there's no um, bubble right now. Um, it, it, this is going to happen. And, and unfortunately, um, it's probably going to continue – to happen because we, we haven't gotten the numbers down as, as a country. Um, and you know, it's still so bad that, uh, the Toronto Raptors can't even play in Toronto right now. Um, you know, I don't have it in front of me, but what were some of the other games canceled Theus? I know on Sunday, Bob, uh, uh, maybe a a bright light in, in the cancellation that the Dallas Mavericks and Pelicans game, uh, was canceled yesterday. Uh, bright moment in that factor that your guy KP Chris Stapps Porzingis was ruled to play. So he'll be back in the lineup whenever they do resume playing Dallas. And I just checked with also- um, the, uh, the Associated Press, Tim Reynolds. He's one of my favorite reporters. So if anybody wants to read a good sports writer, please read Tim Re- Reynolds from the Associated Press. But um, Celtics and Heat were also um, canceled over COVID. So there's, there's been some cancellations and, um, ESPN was reporting that um, the, the NBA, the um, National Basketball Players Association, they um, agreed with the owners to have um, new protocol. And part of it is just to have less visitors in hotels. They're, they're kind of um, going through a two week, um, just new protocol to tighten this up. Cause I guess a few players have gotten COVID. You, you see these cancellations. So, um, they don't want to pause the season. I'm sure that's on the table if things get worse. But right now, they're just going to try to have everything tighter, have players and coaches and staff wear masks in the, um, in the stadium, in the arenas. Um, and they also don't want people to have uh, handshakes or dabs or whatever. They'll just do like elbow bumps or whatever. But they want to limit as much as possible just handshakes and embraces uh, before and after games. And, I, you know, that might help. Just the problem, as um, our listeners know, um, basketball, you know, people are still close to each other, sweating and breathing, but uh, touching a basketball. But maybe these protocols could help because you're even furthering limiting contact. And I think the first big thing, Bob, probably the first major superstar that got it in season uh, was the Celtics, uh, Jason Tatum. He came down within the course. uh, uh, People were kind of worried, I think, about Bradley Bill as well now because they were, you know, they both grew up in St. Louis together. Uh, they almost have like, you know, a, a brother relationship. Bradley Bill, you know, helped Jason Tatum along with Larry Hughes come up, but they both have had some contract tracing. But the real story, Bob, it seems to be the big talk is the Philadelphia 76ers. Uh, 
Um, the fact that you just mentioned to the, our listeners that the, the Celtics and Heat uh, game was postponed. And as far as we know, Bob and listeners, the, the league mandate, the team is supposed to have eight healthy players suit up and dress for the game. Unfortunately, uh, last weekend, I think either Friday or Saturday, uh, Seth Curry, after having a huge 39-point game, uh, but was reported to have an, an ankle injury, uh, came out the next night, was sitting on the bench, and had to leave the bench before the game uh, because he had a positive test. And then later that afternoon, it was found out that not only Seth Curry, but the trainer and a few other of the Sixers players had COVID. Um, so but I guess I guess the question is, they've still continued to play. They, they played Saturday against the, or against the or Sunday against the Denver Nuggets with only seven healthy players. Uh, Joe Embiid and Ben Simmons sat out uh, with injuries. I know for our audience to, just to get a background, Joe Embiid just had a newborn, a three-month-old daughter, so he wanted to isolate from his family either way. And the Sixers were actually fined also, but this is another tail end of it, but they were fined because of they did not list Ben Simmons on the injury report the day before. So this kind of a mixture, Bob, I guess I want your take for our audience is that how much of these injuries, the teams are reporting basically injuries when they kind of have a heads up when they think there's some contract tracing maybe. And then how will that uh, affect the, the league going forward with teams being honest and just, hey, look, we think there's something going on here or are they making up fake injuries? How, how do you feel about that? Well, I mean, I, I do think teams have to be very transparent um, that there is contact tracing or um, maybe if there's like an ankle injury or whatever, they need to be truthful about it because as you know, Theus, th this is important because there's money on the line. You know, we have more, um, we have more gambling in this country. Uh, you know, a lot of States have approved gambling. Gambling. There's no, there's no gambling and there's nothing called DraftKings or FanDuel. <laughs> no way. Hey, <laughs> it's not on here promoting yet. Yeah, this is not basketball by association. <laughs> well, you know, if, if those if those two sources want to, uh, uh, you know, sponsor with us, we're we're willing to do that. But you know, with, with gambling just uh, getting more regulated and approved of in this country, um, you, you want to know like who is healthy and who's going to play because that affects the the lines. It's going to affect the uh, you know the houses and the people placing the bets. And then I guess the other thing, uh, especially if some of these games are national games and you know these are star players, like if if you go on the 76ers, I know you and I like um, Chicago and um, Paul Reed. Who, from, Paul Reed! <laughs> we, we like Paul Reed, but, I mean, if you're going to tune in on the Sixers, you want to see Embiid and Simmons, and, you know, if they're not going to be available on a game, that, that just really probably hurts the ratings for um, any game the Sixers are playing. Um, it seemed like they started 7-2, and two and they've had some l losses, whether it's, you know, COVID and or injuries, so... Um, that team does have a lot of potential, Theus. You know, they've always had potential. Everybody's been talking about it three years, but are they ever going to realize potential? That's like my main question. I think that with the new leadership under Helm, with Doc Rivers and Daryl Morey there, and our guy Odin Brand, I think they have turned it around. I think definitely they. I think the big thing they've drafted right. Uh, shout out to the young man from Kentucky, Tyrese Maxey. Uh, he really came up huge in that game, Bob, we just mentioned when the Sixers had all the players out. He scored 39 points, Bob, in 44 minutes on 18 of 33 shooting, along with seven rebounds and six assists. So in a game when they were shorthanded and it was basically just he and Dwight Howard out there for six. I mean, even Dwight Howard ran some plays at point guard. We all thought Doc Rivers was joking, but 
Dwight Howard did come out there and facilitate a little bit. So Tyrese Maxey actually had a great game. And he backed it up again last night, Bob. He had a few less minutes, uh, 31 minutes last night against the Hawks. At 15 points, six rebounds, and four assists. I know that was probably because Joe Embiid was back, and he put up some huge numbers in the first half. Didn't play the second half because I think they play again tonight, three games and three nights in a row. But uh, it, it'll it'll be interesting to see. It was just kind of interesting speaking to some of the Sixer faithful on Twitter and uh, some of the other social media platforms. Is that the league forced them to play, but the other teams had their games postponed. I'm not sure how that works out going forward, but. Yeah, no, that's a good question. And, you know, some of it, we know Daryl Morey had some strong words about, um, you know, China not having good human rights. And I don't know if that's part of backlash. Obviously, that sounds conspiratorial. But, um, you know, on the flip side, too, I'm wondering if they're worried about uh, just getting games in because of COVID. So then they're like, well, if you're a little short, we're just going to go on ahead because I'm wondering if they're bracing. We might have to have a stoppage. You know, obviously, all of this is uh, speculation right now, but it's not, I don't think it's a good look. And, you know, one thing I wanted to ask you, Theus, you were talking about so many guys getting sprained ankles. You know, we have John Morant, who's a joy to watch. He's out for about five weeks. We've had hip flexor stuff with AD and you were talking about some young men getting torn ACLs. How do you think just starting, you know, like they stopped, they started, they stopped again, and now they're starting. How do you think that's affecting bodies right now? I think it's definitely having an impact, um, you know, on this with, with the shortened season. We definitely saw that as well. And uh, I think early on in baseball, uh, if you remember all the way back to July, when a lot of the players were getting banged up and, and because of their uh, – they didn't know when they were going to start. So, I mean, some of the guys are not in the, in the best shape they can normally be. I definitely think that will be an impact, uh, you know, definitely with that those long layoffs. So we'll just have to see going forward. I think that was a part of the NBA – Number one, shortening the season to 72 games and also not making the full schedule yet. Of course, you know, when they hit their normal break in February or when it gets closer to at the end of this month, they won't be in traditional all-star weekend. And then they will kind of go for us with planning out the rest of the schedule. From, from what I understand, listeners and Bob, is that normally when they'd have that uh, the all-star weekend break, that's when they're going to do makeup games. So some of these games that we've seen postponed, like the, the the Bulls game tonight with uh was it Boston? Yes. The Bulls in Boston night Bob Bulls in Boston, Pelicans and Mavs, they will play those games during that week when everybody else is resting. Uh like the first night I think we had Rockets and Sixers, the so Rockets in Oklahoma City that was postponed. So those games will be made up then and then they can get a better feel of what's going on. I, I just find it interesting, Bob, that in a in a league that I won't get on too much of a rant for our listeners here, but the NFL we just watched you know, early in the season, the Tennessee Titans had 20 to 25 people with COVID on, on their on their roster and in their organization. And, uh, you know, many teams had almost 20, 15 to 20 people with COVID, but the NFL didn't want to stop the season. So it, it kind of behooves me that they, the media wants to come down on the NBA and wants them to stop the season when they maybe have one person with COVID and the rest of the team is contract tracing. I, I seem I think that's kind of hypocritical, but I don't know how you feel on that or how our listeners will feel on that as well. So oh, the team no. can have 20 people with COVID as opposed to a team with one one person, but they want to shut the whole league down. Well, and maybe, maybe it's just because the NBA did such a fantastic job, and we have to get a shout-out to um, the WNBA and uh, 
National Hockey League, they, they all did great where they got in bubbles and people didn't get in, uh, infected. And, you know, baseball and football have struggled a little bit, especially college football, too. And um, again, the NBA did so well after people initially got sick after the Rudy Gobert incident. Um, and, you know, it, it's probably because it, it, it's just so hard because with the virus, it's so hard to contain. And when everybody is they're playing these games and they're traveling to the arenas, I know they've had some back to packs at arenas to, to help get the schedule going um, and trying to limit travel. But, you know, a, a lot of these guys are still going just living their lives and going around. So, I mean, that's going to happen. Um, it, it's unfortunate. Um, I'm hoping that nobody gets really sick so far, at least in the NBA, they've mostly uh, avoided that. But I mean, this, this disease, as you know, it, it, it can be devastating where it devastated um, Kat's family um, where, you know, just besides his mom dying, he had other family members die too. So, um, you know, even if the players don't get sick, uh, what if they bring it back to, you know, their significant others or children or parents or, or whomever? So, I mean, that's just something to always think about. Bobby, you still there? I, I am. Uh, what, what did you last hear? I, I guess we might have gone off. Uh, oh, yeah, no. No, that's okay. We, we're, we're good. Yeah, we, we were talking about the ramifications, you know, from, of course, Kat's family and the tragedy that they had there. Um, but definitely, but we, I definitely 100% agree with you is that the, you know, of course, with uh, as a nation and as society, the things that we've seen facing this pandemic and uh, disease, we have to definitely just continue to, to follow the protocols and everyone can be as safe as they can definitely be. Well, I think I've seen too that some college basketball teams have um, postponed their their season. I, I know um, Nebraska is not playing a couple games, and um, I, th- I I can't remember the college basketball team, but there was another one uh, putting their season on pause too. So uh, obviously it's going to be program to program basis, but um, you know it's it's affecting college basketball right now, which you're wondering how how it's affecting those TV contracts or maybe the uh, giving players the the push to maybe unionize in the future like we talked with um uh Derek Helling uh quite a while ago so it's just kind of interesting uh where there's this once in a lifetime pandemic hopefully and uh how how this is affecting the game for now and in the future and folks I want to thank you for listening again to Bayjack and Brown Hoops Up and Down podcast we are live on anchor.fm you can also follow us wherever you Listen to your podcast on Spotify, uh, Apple Podcasts, Listen Notes. And we definitely want to give a shout out to one of our fellow uh, podcasters, uh, Chris LeBron. Uh, Bob, he runs a great podcast out of New York City there. Uh, definitely you can find him on NBN-Radio. And also the uh, it's, uh, you can find him on Facebook at OTB underscore network. And again, that podcast is the Off the Ball pod. Uh, he's had some wonderful guests on there, Bob. Uh, uh, Daniel Artest, who's another uh, friend of ours on social media, the brother Ron Artest, a great podcaster, has great content. So definitely check them out. Chris LeBron at Off the Ball, Off the Ball Pod, and also Daniel Artest at the Daniel Artest Podcast as well. Uh, Bob, we've had some uh, great show, uh, showings from some of the rookies. I know that we've, you know, of course, talked about uh, Tyrese Maxey earlier. The Mellow Ball, Bob, uh, came out Friday night. And I performed his brother Lonzo Ball, 
and really he got a triple double. I'm going to give him credit for it, Bob, even though the NBA didn't. He basically got two triple doubles in a row. Uh, he got basically one against his brother on Friday night, and but they did not count one of his assists that he when he fell on the floor and dove. And the next night he came out again and got it. And by, by the way, he did both of these off the bench. So we're wondering again, what would you do in, in Michael Jordan's situation in Charlotte? Why is Lamella Ball still coming off the bench? And how impressive is it to get two triple doubles in a row as a rookie off the bench? Maybe to answer your your uh, second question first, it's, it's very impressive because it shows that um, he has basketball IQ. I mean, making great passes where your teammates can score and getting in position to rebound. Um, you know, I've, I saw a couple games that he played and he does a good job um, tracking the ball and boxing guys out. Uh, very impressive for somebody's guard. I know he's a tall guard, but um, just to have that awareness. So I do think it speaks a lot. Um, you know, I'm wondering if they're just trying to slowly do that because I guess part of the weaknesses in his game are kind of correctable because it seems like he's still rail thin. And obviously we know that's your strength and nutrition staff that's got to keep working with him. You know, he's still a young man at 19 years old. So uh, he just needs to know that, you know, if he gets a stronger body right now on basketball reference to say 6'8", 180, you know, he could probably get maybe another 25, 30 pounds of just muscle probably, uh, you know, that would probably help his game a lot where he could take the, you know, the pounding that happens at the NBA level. Um, I think they're still trying to um, work on a shot. Um, he's shooting 41.3%, which is not good, but, you know, again, he's a young player who um, I think, I think his form, uh, you know, is correctable. And I, I know that's what Michael Jordan and the Hornets are, banking on you know you could probably get it up another five six percentage points and then he'll be a very deadly player offensively what, what are your thoughts Leah, so far on the young man Bob I think what we heard early on in the season I think what some other folks talked about is that the, the joy that he plays with and the passion uh, that he brings to the floor every night is just refreshing for a young player and Bob I again I think you know the game against his brother he had 12 points 10 rebounds and officially nine assists I think with all the analytics and the stat corrections, they really need to go back and push. I know it's just a triple-double, but they should go back and push for that stat correction. If the fans go back and watch, he did get an assist, falling to the floor, and Mikael Bridges, uh, I'm sorry, uh, Malachi Bridges slammed it home. And then the next night against Atlanta, back-to-back nights, Bob, he comes out in 31 minutes, gets 22 points. He shot 9-13 to against the Hawks, Bob, with 12 rebounds and 11 assists. Uh, but, but the key thing I think that's – the best about his game, he's he's more of an old soul, Bob. He can, like Larry Bird and Magic Johnson, no, I'm not comparing him, but he can affect the game without scoring. Uh, last yeah, he kind of struggled again offensively, didn't have the best, uh, but he ended up getting eight points, seven assists, and 14 rebounds. Wow. I mean, you'd, you'd be hard to find any, any guard in the league, let alone player that's going to go get 14 rebounds when he's struggling shooting. So I think that kind of hunger and passion and feel for the game is what is uh, refreshing about um, LaMelo. And he's a little bigger than Lonzo. I'm a big fan of his brother Lonzo also. I think because he's got that four to five inches on Lonzo, it's probably why he's a lot better rebounder. Uh, but I, I just think that uh, the future the sky is the limit for uh, LaMelo Ball and the rest of that team as well. I think like a lot of people have said on a lot of platforms, they've got a couple – players in the way that probably shouldn't be playing. I'm not going to be critical and say that, but definitely they've got a good backcourt with Terry Rogier, 
uh, Devontae Graham and LaMelo Ball, and they should probably just go with those three. They've got a few of the guards there that don't add much and probably should not be playing ahead of LaMelo and taking the minutes. But that's sure. up to the you know Charlotte Hornets staff to figure out. Well, and I, th- I think things are going to improve. They're still in transition. They're trying to get out of salary cap hell, and that's going to that's going to take a while, you know. But this is a tradi- uh, transitional year. It's still a pandemic year, you know. Hopefully, when things get get better, you know, they'll have more of an idea of where their team is. They they have um, a big free agent in Gordon Hayward with um, a cornerstone player in Lamelo. Uh, you know, it it just takes time to build a program. I know. Uh, the Warriors or the Heat, some of these teams or the Lakers, you know, recent champions that were dominant, it seems like they came together overnight, but that's usually not the case. You know, it takes a long time of team building to get your uh, get your program where you want it to be. Absolutely. And shout out to Gordon Haywood for really being almost, you know, what people did, people thought he was getting overpaid for that contract. He has really stepped in, Bob, and been that leader for that team so far, uh, I believe he had 44 points the other night himself. So he's been coming up big and consistent every night, uh, helping that young group. And I think they just they, – they probably would be a little better if Cody Zeller was healthy. I know they're depending a lot on Bismarck Biombo, uh holding down the fort down there, being a rent protector. But that might be a sneaky team. Bob, you never know. With the, the things shake up in the East, they might be able to get into that eighth seed at the end of the day and uh, come into, uh, into the playoffs there, however it's shaped. Oh. Uh, I guess what, what do you think? Um, you know, I'm, I'm seeing some star players, and it seems like some are having slower starts, like Anthony Davis under 23 points a game, or you have um, James Harden, who was scoring about 34, or where you know Bradley Beal was scoring. He's at 26 right now. Um, I get, I guess, to Kawhi Leonard, who, who was scoring about 28 points a game for a few years. He's at 24.4, and I don't, I know this might be being a little picky, but these were some guys, um, you know, just playing great. Do you think they're just taking a step back this year, trying to get teammates more involved, or do you think maybe some of them hit a plateau scoring, uh, and they need to conserve their energy just for the long season? I think some of that, Bob. I think what you said is all key factors to it. I think another factor is. These guys have a lot of new teammates. I think in such a short offseason, there were so many moves and so many uh, new faces and new places. Uh, so I, I, I second that thought, what you said about all those factors of, you know, trying to ease into it, trying to avoid injury. But then also with some new coaching moves, people getting used to new offenses, getting used to where their teammates want the ball and different things of that nature has an effect on it. I think definitely too, and that, that's kind of typical as our audience knows, and a lot of uh, you know people that watch the NBA, the second half of the season, a lot of guys kind of pick it up. They get into a second gear as they can kind of see the light at the end of the tunnel getting towards the postseason and the playoffs. Um, but, Bob, did you think we have we had one question from our uh, – looks like our online here from Facebook asking – they want to ask you, Bob, because they know that you're a big Steph Curry fan. I know this came up then. They said that when Clay comes back, Bob, they think that – they want to know, do you think that will the Golden State Warriors be able to win a championship within the next five years with Curry, Steph, Draymond, and James Wiseman, Wiggins, and that, and that group? I, um, I I always thank our listeners giving great questions like that. Um, you, and you that, that came from Scotty Hemmingson. Scotty Hemmingson was the viewer. Well, Scotty, thank you so much. We, we appreciate all our listeners. This is why we do the show. Um, Scotty, you could probably check out some of my old articles on – 
Golden State if you type up my name or look on social media, but I'm very high on that 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 core three. Um, you know, th they're multi-time champions. Uh, if they had better injury luck, you know, they could have maybe done four out of five, uh, but that's that's another story. But uh, Wiseman, you know, I've, I've seen a couple games with him. There's a lot of stuff I like about his game. You know, this year, if they feel like, uh, you know, they might be a little short this year because it seems like the West is very good, they, they can just work on getting him better and just having Clay come back. And then if you have a, a more confident Wiseman, and I'm sure, you know, maybe they could still make some moves. I do think that they can maybe win another championship. It's going to be hard. We know LeBron's consolidating power like he usually does in the Lakers. And maybe if Giannis ever figures it out, the, the Bucks will do it. But, you know, I, I just really trust in Steph. And I, these last two years have really sucked not seeing somebody the level of Clay. Clay's somebody who's a hard worker, who loves the game, great teammate you know, very underrated passer. And, you know, he's a great spot of shooter who's probably one of the best off-ball players in the league um, and a great defender. You know, when you don't have that on the team, somebody who is a top 10 or 15 player, you know, it's going to show. And um, I think some of Steph's numbers have gone down. You know, he's scoring well. His shooting's been off. I don't know if part of it's his hand, Theus. I don't know if part of it's because it seems like you know, he's always double teamed and, you know, he's been triple teamed a lot, you know, that could be part of the pressure on him. And he doesn't have a lot of teammates right now who could hit shots because, you know, you subtract Durant, you subtract clay. And right now you have a rim runner. And uh, unfortunately, Draymond's gone down on his shooting significantly. Um, he's more of a, you know, a pick and roll guy where he's more dangerous, uh, you know, doing the pass instead of the shooting. So uh, it, I guess it's kind of, I do think, you know, if you get Clay back, they can do something because he just he just has that um I don't know that spark. I know I know that might be uh Yeah, I, absolutely. Just that spark where his talent could um could just add so much to the team as a force multiplier. How do you feel, Bob? I think we have another a viewer saying we of course we want to be remiss to we had one birthday today, I think, for the great human highlight film, Dominique Wilkins. Uh, he turned 61, of course, one of the more spectacular players uh, in NBA history, known for his high wire act and aerial artistry. Uh, definitely one of the top, should have been one of the top 50 players of all time. Hall of Famer, uh, definitely want to give a shout out to Dominique Wilkins. Uh, Bob, some, one of the viewers also mentioned uh, one of our, both our takes on who do we think are some of the surprise players so far this season? Games, I watch every game, but is there any one or two players that have come out come out and kind of surprised you with their play so far? You know, um, I would have to go with one of them, C.J. McCollum. You know, I've seen his name a lot on social media. I've seen some highlights. Um, I know Stepback Sisterhood, they, they've been talking about how he stepped up his game. His purr's about um, 27 right now, so he's playing the most efficient he's played. Um, and he's scoring 28 points a game. And uh, it seems like Dame's letting him get more involved. And I know last year he had a – a tough back injury. I, I think he had to um, got, got through it in the playoffs and that, that kind of slowed him down. So he's just looking healthy and confident. Um, I guess another surprise is uh, Zach Levine has upped his play. Um, he's scoring close to 28 points a game and his, his three point shooting, something that was a bugaboo for a lot of people. Um, he's making 3.3 out of 8.8 .8 attempts. So 37%. So he's above average shooting on that, increasing his range. Um, and I, I think doing a good job, just uh, at least doing the scoring load for the Bulls. You know, they're still they're still struggling a little bit, still a work in progress. But I know 
my brother Dan's a big Bulls fan and he's he's watching those games and he's telling me Zach looks good, Zach looks good. So, you know, at the very least, um, you know, he might be playing himself into another big contract or if the Bulls don't want to sign him, maybe they could get a big return on him. Absolutely. For myself, Bob, I would say I want to give a shout out to the uh, former Nebraska Cornhuster, current member of the Oklahoma City Thunder, Isaiah Roby. Uh, in his minutes that he's gotten, he's averaging career highs so far in just in 17 minutes, but averaging over eight points and three rebounds a game. That's definitely a, a big jump from last year when he kind of bounced between the G League call-ups. But uh, most recently, you know, uh, over against five rebounds game against Orlando earlier this year. We had a, a huge highlight dunk. If nobody's seen it, you can go on YouTube where he crossed up Nikola Vucevic, made him fall, and uh, had 19-7. and seven. So a big shout-out to Isaiah Roby from uh, Dixon, Illinois. Another player, Bob, that were – I think there's a lot of – like I said, a lot of the rookies have been thrown into it. We mentioned uh, Tyrese Maxey, uh, I think Emmanuel Quigley in New York, but – I think that's what we mentioned until we talked about Julius Randle last week. Uh, so there's been a, quite a few players around the league that have really stepped up and played better, whether it be due to the COVID protocols and teams being shorthanded or injuries or uh, other guys. Is there anybody else that you think that will step up, Bob, that hasn't really come to the forefront yet, maybe a rookie, second-year player? Well, that's a tough one, I know. Yeah, no, that is a tough one. Um, you know, I'm hoping Zion just stays healthy. And so far, you know, at least when he's been on the floor, um, you know, he's been doing well. He's been about 22 points a game. His efficiency's over 22, which is um, about all-star level or a fringe all-star. And he's um, he's scoring about 56% of his field goals. So um, I think with him, he just has to make sure he's healthy. Um Right now um, on NBA stats, they are talking about um, – I lost. oh, there he is. He's doing about 32 minutes a game, which is very good. I know he was maybe about 8 to 10 minutes less when it was the bubble when he was just trying to get acclimated in the game again. Um, so I do think that's very encouraging. I'm looking for him to continue stepping up. Um, you know, and I guess right now – uh, John Moran, he just has to get healthy again. I, I'm just excited with him leading that team. Um, I'm, I think the Grizzlies are going to be very cautious because without him playing, that's that's going to be very hard. I mean, they could get behind in the West very quick. And so far, uh, they're four and six and number thirteen, but it's kind of it's kind of bunched up since a lot of teams are competitive. So um, I, I think I'm still looking at those two. Um, I do think those guys are part of the future of the league. Um, I guess somebody that I'm pleasantly surprised with. And I know you're a big fan of DeMontis Sabonis. He's come back healthy, Theus. Um, he's averaging 22.2 points a game and 12.4 rebounds, shooting 56%. Um, his per close to 21. Um, and, you know, making the Pacers very competitive. I know Oladipo has been in and out of the lineup with injury, but they're going to lean up. Uh, you're, they're going to lean on him, you know, hopefully – getting in the playoffs and making some noise. So I'm just glad he's come back because he was injured in that playoff round against the the Heat last year. Definitely. And I think that, you know, shout out to our listener, Dan Rivera, too. And he's a big Pacer fan and Cody Gilmore. And I know that a lot of people, I still think that Sabonis probably should be the dark horse for MVP right now. Uh, you know, with, with them being without TJ Warren now, unfortunately, 
it'll give an opportunity for Victor Oladipo. He stepped up again, and some other players. Um, I, I just wanted to mention to uh, the guy up in Philadelphia, uh, Tobias Harris. He's definitely come back and played a little bit better. Uh, his numbers are pretty much the same as last year, but I think it's, there's more impact because they're winning. Uh, I think they're seven and four right now, what have you. But I know he was uh, co-player of the week last week for the Eastern Conference. So definitely shout out to Tobias Harris. I know up in Philly, they kind of give him that moniker like we gave Paul George. Uh, we call Paul George, you know, uh, the invisible man. I know sometimes in Philly, they, they have the uh, the city of brotherly love. They call Tobias, uh, Tobias the friendly ghost. Oh. Uh, so some. Yeah. So sometimes they're pretty cruel on Tobias up there, but maybe they'll they'll give that nickname to Danny Green, who shot 0 of 10 last night and shot 0 for 8. And his response was, "I got three rings." So he didn't like that. Uh, he didn't really like that sentiment down in Atlanta. But I don't well, know. I mean, saw he, it on the social media. A lot of shots though um, with the Lakers, and I know I know he's important. He was important in the regular season and other playoff games, but he was really cold that finals and. And then the one with the Raptors, I think he was just he just had a couple hits on Clay. I mean, I'm going to still push that. I mean, if you look at those closeouts he had, especially that last one on the on the dunk, I mean, I, I thought that was uncalled for. Now, Danny Green, I think he's had a nice career, but um, I think you know he's living off name a little bit right now, and he he does have something important to give to the Sixers. But I mean, he should have probably ate it for that night. And you know, obviously, you know, as as a player, you have pride and you want to you want to talk back to the fan, but I mean, the fan had a, had a point, you know, he's probably frustrated too, seeing a loss, paying all that money in a pandemic, you know. Speaking of Lakers, Bob, you're, uh, we had, of course, we had a couple uh, Bulls, uh, sorry, Bulls uh, listeners here. The Bulls went on a tough uh, West Coast stretch. They went one and three. They became, they were basically one possession of beating the Clippers and one possession of actually beating the Lakers. Played pretty good in both ball games, uh, kind of like some of the things that Billy Donovan uh, has been doing with the lineup. Uh, got good production out of Daniel Gafford. Uh, Kobe White had a huge night, had a career high of 38, and then kind of struggled after that. Levine went crazy. Of course, we saw the 45 points and 10 three pointers. Uh, as a Bulls fan, what else do you think that you need to see from them? Or is there anything else that you need think that they can improve upon? I just forward, think got some momentum. Yeah. I, I, they just got to work on closing out games. And that's going to be difficult because um, even though I'm a fan of Zach's game, um, you know, as, as somebody who's not a great defender, it's going to be hard, at least if you're defending the closeout teams and they're just very young still. And some players like uh, Markinen have been off the floor a lot or Wendell Carter Jr. And I know June, um, Wendell Carter has been playing very well, um, you know, getting healthy again. So that's an encouraging sign, but at least floor minutes, they're still a pretty young team. And I think you're going to just see them being up and down. Uh, you're going to see veteran teams maybe get veteran savvy, uh, you know, at the end of the game, you know, where they could uh, bait the Bulls in some things or get advantageous possessions. And, I mean, I'm I'm happy where they are because they're competitive. They're scoring more points. And I do think they could compete, like when we had Dan and Teal here, um, a few weeks ago, they can compete for a playoff spot. And that's what you want at this point. Um, you know, maybe what they're going to do, especially if they're not making a lot of noise to see if anybody wants Tomas Sandoransky or um, Thad Young in, for, uh, in in a trade, which which could be possible, especially with if, if there's any more of these injuries or another team's like, hey, you know, I mean, we need to augment um, our core to make a playoff run. And I, I do think that might be the more realistic thing right now because – 
how um, Arturis Karnaschovas and Mark Eversley, how they do team building, it's very gradual. So I, I do think you want to get Kobe White going, you want to get Wendell going, you want to see what you have in marketing because they have a decision because he's going to be a restricted free agent. Do you give him four years and 80, which is probably what he's going to go for, or would it be better to just just let him go? And I mean, right now, I don't know if he's playing well for that contract. Absolutely. And we had some great feedback from our, uh, well, actually one of the legends here in Chicago, Bob. I know you and Matt Gentile and a lot of people know the great uh, Doug Thonis from the Bulls beat at Podbean. He also said there was just two things the Bulls need to do. Uh, first, limit turnovers. And second, they needed to keep the ball moving uh, and stop going into hero ball mode in tight situations, is what he wrote. Uh, we also had another great comment about the Bulls and closing games from the Off the Glass podcast. I also advocate and suggest people, if you want another great basketball podcast, go to Off the Glass pod, off, off the Glass uh, on YouTube and Twitter, uh, hosted by Zach, the former uh, pro player and college player. But he wrote, it falls on, on Kobe and Zach. Uh, because they are the vets and they they have to be consistent. They have to consistently didn't get quality looks uh, in those two ball games. And, of course, kind of similar to what Doug said, that the Bulls had 22 turnovers in that game. Uh, so definitely we had some inputs from some other, you know, veteran podcasters and uh, aficionados of the game laying in on your Bulls. And I think the same thing, too. I think I, I saw something that was kind of disheartening, Bob. I'm not sure if Zach Levine, had input into it, but it wrote an article saying that uh, he needed to be uh, financially appreciated from the Bulls. And I thought, well, wow, they just gave him that contract for, I think it was, what, four years, $78 million. And since he hasn't hit any of his incentives or the Bulls aren't winning, he's basically going to resign the same contract again. But I don't think, I don't see how he thinks he can be any more financially compensated unless the Bulls are actually getting to the playoffs at bare minimum or, you know, winning, at least getting above 500, which they haven't done since he's been here, you know. So I'm just hoping that was maybe an article that was written kind of not with direct knowledge from Levine, but I did see that come out today. Well, I mean, he with him scoring this many points, Theus, uh, he is number four in scoring. I don't know if it's going to last because uh, players like Giannis and Luca and maybe Jason Tatum could up, up their scoring, especially J- James Harden. Uh, and, and, you know, maybe teams are going to start keying on Zach as well. Um, he has improved his range. But, again, when there's not that much offense outside of him and Kobe, uh, teams, their, their game plan is going to be you got to frustrate and slow those two down and take your chances with anybody else. But with him playing this well, if he's close to this for a whole year, um, that, that's just a very – at his price point, that's a very attractive contract. Or, like, even if the Bulls decide to keep him this whole year, they could still flip him with a year left because um, – 18.5 million, I think that's around where his contract would be, is very reasonable, especially if there's not a lot of big free agency because of this pandemic. And especially with, I think, Madden Teal and some other people were talking about, I think Kwame uh, Fisher-Jones, too, that a lot of guys signed. So it's not going to be as good of a free agency class as it was two years ago when people say, oh, these guys could opt out. All of them just re-upped. <laughs> so um, I think, you know, right. Zach, could be, Zach could be the prize. And um, before... Before we wrap it up, I did want to say that you were talking about Paul George and the Invisible Man. Paul George has, to be fair, he's been showing out this year, uh, 10 games, 25 points. Um, He's very efficient, almost 50% shooting, 51% on three, and that's with uh, more than eight attempts a game. And uh, 
he he's passing the ball well. Five point four assists, six re, more than six rebounds, um, and he has a steal and a half. The and his his uh, per is at twenty four, um, which is a solid All Star level. So he's been playing well. You could argue he's even playing better than Kawhi right now. Well, at, at least advanced metrics, they say Kawhi is playing better. But I mean, he's at that level where he he can um, make a difference, and that's what they sign him for with that big money. Yeah, and similar to, I want to give the same shout out to Pat. Took a lot of unfair criticism out of the bubble and things of that nature, but he's really bounced back this season. Uh, you know, averaging twenty points, almost nine rebounds, and five assists a game. And even over the last week, he's up those numbers. I know he still has some critics or people hating on him because he missed two game winners, but I mean that's what you do when you're the star player and you're the guy that's the team's depending on. You got to take that last shot, so. He'd be damned if he do, damned if he didn't, if he gave it up to somebody else. So shout out definitely to the the We Are the North and We the North, Pascal Siakam and everybody up there in Canada. Uh, any any thoughts for our, our listeners in, in closing, Bob? Anything for the audience? Any poll questions you're throwing out there? <laughs> well, um, I just want everybody to continue watching the great basketball that we have. Um, hopefully we can uh, get the G League going soon. I, I'm still looking forward to that. I know they're trying to get the bubble going Again, the Ignite team is going to be a great team to watch where they have five or six very highly touted players. Um, I'm hoping, too, to maybe watch Gonzaga again because that one time I watched them, I really enjoyed it. So I'm going to see if I could get some Gonzaga Bulldog viewing going. And um, hopefully maybe I can see if there's another basketball biography out there. Um, I might see if I could read the the showboat one about Kobe Bryant from Roland Lezenby. Um, he wrote a great um, – biography about michael jordan that i enjoyed reading a couple years ago so i might give the kobe one a try yeah folks and it looks like right now as bob previously mentioned the g league is slated to be in the same bubble in orlando that the nba and WNBA was held in last season uh they did have their expansion draft and there was a lot of buzz behind it folks in closing because there were a lot of former big names in that draft uh names like michael beasley um uh, some similar to Michael Beasley. There was um, now I'm losing uh, Alonzo Trier. Uh, a lot of some of the bigger names were not even selected. Emeka Okafor was in the expansion draft. But looked like yesterday, just to be brief, that the first pick went to Greensboro, which was the former Wizard uh, uh, Admiral Schofield was number one. Uh, some of the other names people might recognize: uh, former Bull Bob Antonio Blakeney went third to Canton. Uh, for Archie Shea, the former New York Nick Alonzo Trier out of Arizona, was drafted fourth by the Iowa or the Windy City affiliate, which I don't think is playing. Uh, that's another thing, Bob. Uh, half the teams are not going to be playing the bubble. They've opted out, including the Windy City Bulls. Uh, some of the names that fans might recognize, uh, Jaron Cumberland from Cincinnati went 12th uh, from your own Creighton Blue Jays. Uh, Justin Patton is going to go play in for the New York franchise up in Westchester. Uh, Gary Payton Jr., the son, of course, Gary Payton is going to play for the Raptors 905. And looks like that pretty much does it for kind of bigger names that fans would know. We got um, Shabazz uh, so, Muhammad, um, the former UCLA player, and he was a top high school player. He's actually somebody I interviewed for Bleacher Report. So it, it's kind of surprising me because I know a lot of people thought he'd be a really good six man and just seemed like he washed out in the league. So he's just probably trying to get back in it. and. You know, he might have a shot, but who knows? 
Yeah, and it looks like, like you said too, Bob, it looks like the names that went undrafted were more known than the names drafted. Uh, Big Baller Brand, Angelo Ball. Yeah, Langelo Ball went undrafted. Michael Beasley did not get picked. Uh, Jeremy Lin was already signed with the Golden State franchise. Kind of surprised, Bob, a guy, uh, former slam dunk champion Terrence Jones. I'm sorry, not slam dunk champion, but Terrence Jones was not picked. Uh, he didn't have a thinking of Terrence Ross, dunk champ, but Terrence Jones, former Rocket, was not picked. Uh, Shabazz Napier was not picked. Emeka Okafor was not picked. Uh, so he had a – and also Lance Stevenson did not go, Bob. He was in the draft. He did not get selected. Mario Chalmers, too, but, you know, he's been he's been out of the league for quite a bit, too. Yeah, and it, it seems like from our insider on uh, on Twitter, the Heat, Heat Hoop Bubbles, that he may already have a deal going to Miami to resign with them. So he may be okay going to their affiliate. And at least for our listeners, um, just a side note on Mario, I, I wrote an article for Bleacher Report after he had that great – game four in 2012 when he had 15 points in the fourth quarter. So that, that article actually got on his Wikipedia page. So if you look on Wikipedia and you look wow. at him scoring, I, I'm referenced in that. It's just a small, small anecdote. Maybe, but we can definitely put that on the social media on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at Bajek and Brown. And definitely folks, we appreciate all your feedback and the DMS and the inboxes, letting us know, uh, you know, what you want us to talk about or what things that we can bring up and, certainly future guests we'll have on the show. So we want to thank you again uh, tonight for listening to the 35th episode of Bajak and Brown Hoops Up and Down podcast. Definitely look forward to seeing you, uh, uh, bring you guys the next episode soon. And as Bob always says, enjoy the, the great association. Enjoy college basketball tonight. Go Duke Blue Devils against the, the Hokies there. And uh, we hope to talk to you soon, folks. Thank you. Have a great night.